week's episode of True Podcast. I'm your host, Alex. And I'm your host, Drea. And today, Drea is going to be telling me a scary story. It indeed is going to be that. And am I, am <laughs> am I guessing again whether or not it's true? true? Yeah, you can guess whether it's true or not. Cool, cool. So, do we want to have any opening remarks before we just dive in? Yeah, yeah um, so for me, it's been challenging because, as we mentioned in our last week's podcast, that we are filming uh, this week's and last week's on the same day. So, I don't have too much news to share. The only tidbit that I want to add is that I am currently in the market for Christmas movies. So, if you guys have good Christmas movies, I recommend sending them to our Instagram. Because I am looking for some. <laughs> you don't need to mention Home Alone and Home Alone 2 because I already have that on her list. Let me give you a list of ones you don't need to mention. Home Alone, <laughs> any of them. You don't need to mention The Holiday. Correct. Last Holiday. Correct. Um, it's a Wonderful Life. That's a given. What else is like a... Oh, I've seen Four, Four Christmases and The Family Stone, which I've mentioned in a previous podcast that I really did not like. Uh, I think that's all. So if you have other ones, send them my way. Anyway, um, I guess for my like little tidbit, so fun story, you guys. Um, my mom was telling me earlier today because quarantine has been really rough on my mom in the sense of like she doesn't like to be cooped up at home doing nothing. Sure. She's really not one for watching like giant amounts of TV, which is the only thing you can really do right now. Mm-hmm. So she's getting a little bit restless and. It, very over, you know, just watching TV or watching movies, especially yeah. since she doesn't like to rewatch any movies, period. Yeah. Well, I mean, besides actually Last of the Mohicans, that's like the only movie that she's like willing to rewatch. I don't I couldn't tell you. Okay. Anyway, so she was saying to me today, just like out of nowhere, she exclaims to me, I was telling your dad the other day that we need to like get some games or something because this family needs to start having some fun. I'm so tired of only just sitting in front of the TV. Like, we need to get a karaoke machine. Oh, my God. Fun. Here's the thing. Is that the only people I think that would participate in karaoke is me and her. Well. And maybe on the outside chance, Jake. But, I mean, karaoke's so fun. That'd be, like, an awesome... Like, I'm about to go to the Weirsman's house. I don't think that any of the rest of my family would be down for it, though. I would go. I'd be like, heck yes, give me that mic. Anyway, so I, t- I busted a mission to Target and bought some games. Okay. So one was a family version of What Do You Mean? Okay. I anticipate that being fun. Okay. And obviously, since it's a family version, I could actually feel okay about playing with my parents. Yeah, I actually, when I was doing my... We were talking last week in our podcast about how we have... Um, a problem with spending a lot of money at box lunch right and one of the things that they were offering was a disney version what do you mean oh, that's fun. i almost bought it i bought another game so we'll play it on christmas <laughs> it's a friends related game oh nice yeah um so then i bought that i bought um one i think it's called the mind and I okay. actually might end up bringing it like to the backyard on these days so that we could play the whole idea of this game is that you're not allowed to communicate with each other. Okay. But you, like, get a, a deck of cards that shuffle, and um, there are, like, ten different levels or whatever. Sure. And the cards have the numbers 1 to 100 on them. Okay. So the whole idea is on level 1, each player only gets one card. Level 2, each player only gets two cards, and so on. Okay. So when you get your card, without communicating with anyone else, you have to put the card, like, put it down in order, mm-hmm. in ascending order. 
So, so from, from one, one to a hundred. Okay. So, so like, like, let's say, you know, know I have five and you have 25. Mm-hmm. And, and we're the only two people playing. playing mm-hmm. And this is the first level, so we only have the one card. Yeah. If, if you, you put, put your card down before I put my card down, since mine's the lower number, we lose. So you have to, like... So, so I, I have to, to put my card down first, and then you put your card down. down. Okay. So, so you can't go out of order in, like, the number order. Okay. It gets really complicated in the upper levels. Sure. I've played this game before. It's really fun. So, so I bought that, and then also bought the Blockbuster game. Oh, nice! Which is a game that we played here before, like, amongst our friends, which is basically is like a movie trivia game. Mm-hmm. And... I want you to just picture for a second your family around the bed it would look like in my house. Yeah, that's going to be fun. I don't think that me and my dad could be on the same team. I was about to say, I'm like, you're, you and your dad are going to be team captains. Like, you have to be, otherwise it's unfair. Right. Well, and the thing is, is that both my brothers would probably be pretty good at this game as well. Mm-hmm. My sister is, I don't think, as much. Mm-hmm. My mom, no, not yeah. at all. For sure. She's, She's around, around all these movies and we're watching them, but she just isn't paying attention to them. Sure, sure, sure. So it's about to be a battle royale at the Weirsma house when we play Blockbuster tomorrow. <laughs> That's going to be fun. It's send, me, be uh, send me updates. Yeah, right. <laughs> Give me a live feed. Like, you can only imagine, like, I'm going to be sweating. Like, usually like, when we play this game, like, just as friends. It's casual. Yeah, I'm not really, like, worried about it too much. Yeah. But, like, going toe-to-toe with my dad... I'll, I'll sweat it. <laughs> yeah, your dad's a good one. Yeah, but anyway, so that's my little update is that my mom has demanded that we start having fun. Well, that, I mean, that's good. That's a good thing to demand. I mean, she's I'm like, trying to go over to your house now. I'm like, where's my invite? <laughs> I think that she's the only one who's just like, this is not fun. Because me and my dad, like, we like watching TV and movies. So, like, there's sure. nothing wrong with that for us. Whereas yeah. for her, she's like, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm. Yeah. So. I think so. Anyway, get to your scary story. Okay, so kind of like we did in season one in the episode, don't listen to this at night. I'm going to be reading Alex a scary story. We are going to be dissecting it, and then ultimately she will determine whether it is real or false or like fake, whatever. Um, So if you guys don't like scary stories, maybe not the podcast for you, but if you do, Get ready. <laughs> that, was my, that was my best imitation at like a scary voice. Also, a disclaimer, I am undiagnosed dyslexic, so my reading isn't that great. <laughs> All right, here we go. Let's get into it. The cracked gray structure stood like a monument before them, separated from the off-road only by a chain-link fence. Fench? You know, I just think like, like you're, you're trying to read it in some kind of voice, too. Fence. <laughs> oh, Lord. Chain link fence. All right. You want me to read it normal? I'm trying to add to the atmosphere. Okay, go for it. All right. Scattering. <laughs> Scattering pockets of moonlight over the foursome. Swaying against each other with inebriation. Three fraternity boys and the one girl they could find had the balls to come up with them to this place. Ugh, I the hate that sentence. The one girl they could find? Yeah, I mean, I hate that sentence. It's just everything about it is just... Ugh. Well, okay, go for it. Okay. Stood a, a gape? Is that a word? Yes, it is. A gape? What does that mean? So, like, open. Like, wide open. Mm, okay, I'm sorry. Stood agape before it, like they couldn't believe their feet had brought them so far away from their campus parties and city lights. 
Don't you think someone still owns this place? The girl asked them. Her name was Allison, a freckled brunette, and to be fair, she was drunk too. But she wasn't stupid. It's still like a private property or something, and they could be security here. We don't know about that. Those are quotations in case it wasn't understood. Yeah, got it. <laughs> okay. Here, reported Lance with a snort and laughter. Yeah, I bet they have some state-of-the-art cameras. With a boost from his friends, he clamored his bulk... He Wait, hold on. This is a weird sentence. He clamored his bulk up and over the fence in what seemed to be a single motion. Okay, so here's the thing. Is that like... Weird sentence. Already, it feels like it's kind of fake just because of like how like they're writing it. It's, it's very, like, story yes. Yeah, it's, it's not, not like you and I having a conversation, conversation like, you telling me a story like you would in real life. This isn't, like, it sounds like a story, so I think it might be a little bit difficult to tell down the line whether or not it's real because of how they're rating it. Yeah, but it also could be, like, you know, everyone has a different way of expressing themselves. Right. You know what I mean? Like, they could be recounting it from, like, memory. And it's so, yeah, and it's so funny that, like, the way that you're getting tripped up over, you know, the bulk thing, which it, and another way they could have put it is just like he's heaving himself over. Right? Like clamored his bulk up and over. Like that's a weird way to say something. It really is. Anyway. <laughs> okay, here we go. Quite an athlete, Lance was, broad in his shoulders, and the boldest of them all. Yet he couldn't quite shake the feeling that something was a bit off once his feet touched the ground. Not that he could ever let it slip. The grip on his reputation as the fraternity storyteller and the man of the world was a tenuous one at best. All right, I don't hear any alarms. I'm going to censor this because there is a bad word. Okay. There's nothing going off. Come on over. Mikey, a tall scarecrow of a boy with dangly sandy curls to match, gestured to Allison. Ladies first. She rolled her eyes and began climbing. His gaze darted across her tight jeans and slender frame, too drunk to make a secret of the fact that he was hoping to get lucky. Ew! This is... Okay, whatever. They're really, like, playing off of this fraternity, like, stereotype. It makes me feel like it's not real, but keep going, I guess. Okay. After all... Which, okay, side so okay. Why are you doing this, like, drunk? Also. Well, I mean, but then again, to try to, like add reason to this i feel like if i'm trying to break into a property i probably wouldn't do it sober you know that's like the interesting thing right because i feel like i'd be more likely to if i were to do something like that which i wouldn't mm -hmm. but if i were i'd be more wanting to do it sober just because like you have like all like, like your, your mental, mental like facilities around you like but if you're like drunk already like you're, you're not going into it being like let's get drunk and do this like you're drunk already and your friends are like hey let's go to this house you know i guess whatever keep going whatever anyways um where was i okay after all it was new year's eve and most of the girls had gone home for the holiday so it seemed like as good a time as any when she reached the other side mikey was next over the rusty barricade the last one in their party felt most hesitant of all, even if it didn't show in his smirking young face. Junior, as his friends called him, was only a sophomore, and although Lance had famously made many daring journeys to the place strange and spooky, this was Junior's first. But he didn't want to be labeled 
Right. I need to censor again. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. You know what I mean. I know uh, what you mean. So he shrugged off the feeling of uncertainty and made his way over the chain link fence just in time for Lance to begin weaving one of those grandiose tales. There's a reason, guys, that this building out of the whole facility is the one that no one, and I mean no one, is brave enough to step inside. Allison heaved a sigh. You know, my mother warned me never to get into haunted houses with strange men. That's a very specific thing to warn you know someone about. It just turns into like the plot of Great Encounters. Oh my god, imagine. <laughs> anyway, okay. That make things a lot better. Mikey laughed, if a little too forcefully. But it isn't a haunted house. Well, not in the traditional sense. Traditional sense? Junior piped up. Unlike the others, he had a genuine interest in history. Not only that, but the building really did seem to emanate something. It gave off that feeling, what some might call déjà vu, or the chill they say you get when someone passes over your grave. Well, wait. wait. Yeah, go ahead. How does anyone experience the chill of one passing over their own grave? I think what they mean is like the chill you get when you pass over someone else's grave. Okay. Is what I think they mean. Because, yeah, how would you know that? Okay. Like, I don't feel like that's a thing. So, like, maybe the chill you get when you almost die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a near death experience. Which, Which I can't, can't say that, that I've had any near-death experience. I have, so I understand it. Okay, go for it. Okay. Well, it was a house of sorts. Somebody lived there, but just one man. One single, solitary, mysterious man. Oh, God. Allison was less than impressed. Was he an axe murderer? Did he eat people? I went to summer camp. These aren't new stories. I actually really like that sentence, like the whole like, okay, like, you know, like you're trying to scare me. Like, I I feel like I would say something like that. You know, I feel like whenever I was in summer camp, I wasn't hearing scary stories, but maybe that's because I only went to Christian summer camps. That's 100% the reason. I'll tell you what, I learned how to shuffle like the bridge on a deck of cards. Oh, that's cute. I teach people how to do that. I never went to summer camp. Here's the thing. I never went to like a stay over summer camp. I went to like a day summer camp. But I was a counselor, like a camp counselor at a summer camp as an adult. Well, not as an adult, like as a college it was a tennis summer camp, right? Yeah. Yeah. But it was like a live-in, and let me tell you, it was the full-on experience of like a teenage summer camp. Like there was romance, there were people hooking up, like myself included. Like it was full-on. Interesting. Anyway, let's move on. Right. That's for another podcast. <laughs> Brian, if you're out there, Shut up. <laughs> I hope you're doing well. He is. He has a kid and family. <laughs> He's doing great. He's doing great. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> I digress. Uh, where was I? La la la, these aren't new stories. Look at this. This shack, I guess. It's a piece of hallway off of an outbuilding they cut off from the rest of the hospital. And you notice anything else? He waved his impressive wingspan around the facade of the building with a it's dramatic flare. I don't 
don't know. I'm reading the story. I don't. I can't give you context here. Okay. It says impressive wingspan. I guess like having long arms. Is I know impressive. what it means, but, but I, think I think it's an interesting way to say it. I mean, this whole story is written very interestingly. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty weird. Anyway, this is like someone in like a creative writing major who like posted the story or something. Like beginning <laughs> creative writing. Yeah. Never like written the story before. This oh, is it. Gosh, anyway, keep yeah. going. No shade. Okay. You know there was a fire here in 74. Mikey shrugged. Yeah, the whole place burned down. The hospital had to close. They wouldn't have had a patient in here. And if there was, they would have... Junior wanted to add something of his own, but his voice trailed off as his eyes were drawn to the outside walls of the chip cement home. For lack of a better term. Okay, sure. This really can't turn into the Paul Grant Encounters because it's kind of like, well, I mean, Grant Encounters was at a mental hospital, but this yeah. is at a hospital. You're right. I mean, they haven't disclosed what kind of hospital it's been. Hey. hey. Okay. Da 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 da. Chips at home. It wasn't scorched or fallen down in blackened beams, leaned against each other like the rest of the structures in the hospital. It was unsullied. It almost seemed pristine by comparison. Lance lowered his voice and let the eerie feeling set in. Why would they lock one man in here alone, when there were all manner of sick and crazy people to house him with? It's an asylum. And why is it still standing here, completely untouched, while the rest of the hospital crumbled down all around it? He leaned back nonchalantly against an old tree trunk, satisfied with himself, and began to speak in a slow monotone. I see windows, boarded up, sure, but they're here. But what I don't see? A door, Mikey said breathlessly. He had spotted something. He was sure of it. Is that a door? Guys, look. It was hard to tell, even with a good amount of light shining down on them. And like any good millennials... (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) This is too funny. They're not getting a good grade for their creative writing. Oh my gosh, this is funny. Okay. And like any good millennial, they whipped out their phones and began a hesitant approach towards the old building. Their digital flashlights held up like shields before them. But he had been right. The shape Mikey had been gesturing to didn't seem like the size and outline of a door. And yet it had been perfectly painted over. No, more like sealed over. Long ago, and was the same color as the rest. But as he did, oh, I'm so sorry. But as he slid his nimble fingers over the surface, dust and grime notwithstanding, he could feel its frame. The rest of the adventuring party followed suit, save for Lance, who kept his distance back at the trees. Maybe it was all his previous journeys out to haunted houses, or just the melodrama he had bumbled below the surface of his legends. But something felt wrong about this place in his bones. Allison was more enthusiastic, more brave even. She turned eagerly back in confirmation. He's right, there's a door here, and look. She gestured to one other curious feature. That after a bit of probing and close examination revealed itself. The door had a narrow hole right in the center of it, like a mail slot. She knocked, and behind it, The hollow space rattled back at her. Allison shivered at the touch, and along with Mikey and Junior, took a few steps back from the building. After a moment, Lance finally spoke again. 
breaking the crisp and quiet night air. All right, so there's a door. We made it this far. The question is, who wants to go inside? So now it switches to a nurse's log. <laughs> See, this is what makes it feel like even less real. I don't know what to tell you. Okay, okay. nurse's log. December the 10th, 1891. Patient name, Mr. Miles Sullivan. Notes. Mr. Sullivan is a white man young in age, which cannot be approximated due to lack of documentation, as well as his continued delusion of a fantasy world he believes exists. After suddenly entering the facility, unsteady on his feet, found to be sweating and in a daze, his words have been garbled and made very few, in fact, facts apparent. He has been consistently uncooperative, even under the treatment of sedatives and psychiatric care in giving an explanation as to his unusual complexion and skin condition, which in the last few days after being committed to this facility has proceeded to spread over much of his body. Symptoms of dry coughing, spasms, and fever indicate a possible resurgence of the recent influenza pandemic, forcing the case physician, Dr. Hill, to move Mr. Sullivan to the quarantine ward at this time until further, stu- until further study might be conducted. Here's COVID. Imagine. The standard treatments for delusional hysteria remain as unusual. End notes. Ooh. (laughs) Okay, let's keep going. Yeah. You expect us to go in there? Jesus, Lance. Allison moaned and pulled her jacket tighter around her. There's a million other ways to celebrate New Year's, and I'm pretty sure the party you dragged us from was one of them. Here's my thing. The sass. Right. That's exactly right, because why is New Year's a spooky activity night? I feel like it's the, like, opposite, really. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like, it seems ridiculous. Mm. I feel like New Year's is more of, like, the party party I want to be with my friends. Right. But anyway, I digress. Yeah. Okay. Well, they say it has to be New Year's to see him. There's something special about it. Lance stood up straight and gave his best stern look he could muster while drunk. It's a timing thing, okay? So you're going in then, I assume? She shot back. Wait, see, who? Mikey narrowed his eyes in skepticism. See the crazy got stuck in a shack guy? How the hell are we supposed to do that? He couldn't get his mind off that creepy door. That barely there opening in the, o- in the outside world. Who on earth would you trap in such an ungodly place? And how was he supposed to still be alive after all this time, with no one attending to him? Mikey certainly wasn't a fool enough to go in. Junior stood in thought for just a moment. So the man they kept in there was so creepy. What's so creepy about him? I mean, maybe he was just a pervert or a leper or something. And they didn't want him around anybody else. Lance, dude, he's got to be dead by now. Nobody comes around here anymore. I need to censor this next part again. (laughs) It's a GD ghost story, man. Mm -hmm. That's the whole point. Lance steadied himself and took a couple steps towards the rest of them. This guy, right? They say he had some kind of, you know, a virus or something. But thing is, it didn't touch him. It was getting everybody else sick from being around him. He smirked and hoped he was getting to them, even as that nagging feeling at the back of his mind told him that it was getting to him too, 
and maybe stepping foot in the old place wasn't the best of suggestions. So eventually, he did die. And on New Year's Eve, tonight, okay, if you look through those old boarded windows, he pointed out to the narrow slits between the planks through which two tall windows could be seen. You'll see him in there. Buddy of mine did. People have before. He comes every year. He let his story fade down into an uncomfortable knot, twisting all of their stomachs as they made uneasy glances at the, at the building. Yeah, I mean, anything for me involving an abandoned building is just like a no-go. Like, that's just inherently creepy. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to do it. Like, I'm not going, personally. Right. But then that's also, like, we're not of the ghost hunting type. True. <laughs> okay, let's go on. Mikey instinctively took a step away. Lance, if there's a freaking virus or something in there, we could let it out and all get sick. Oh my god, is this literally a COVID story? <laughs> right. <laughs> so like bats that they're gonna eat? <laughs> anyway. That door stayed shut for a reason, man. I mean, do contagions live like that long? His eyes now gone wild and a wide sky blue sky blue. Made their way around the circle of kids in a dash of paranoia. Do they? No way, Allison butted in. You said people were here before. And they saw this. This sick guy, right? Lance nodded. Then it would have gotten out. Junior cleared his throat and decided to have a go at it. She's right. On New Year's, you said, and checked the windows. Behind the thin slats of wood, they could see broken out panels of glass, covered in filth and occasionally whistling in the breeze. There's no contagion. His curiosity got the better of him, and his voice gained courage with a kind of ambition. Like he was a man with something to prove. So then tell us. Tell us how it works. Okay, Lance continued, leaning into his little group. You can see him. Actually see him. Inside. Trying to find a way out of there. Like he never escaped. I'm telling you, man. It's the effing truth. (sighs) You go to the windows and just gotta like, I don't know, call out to him. Then just wait and watch him from out here. So no one's going in then, Allison said with a hint of disappointment. Waiting to catch a glimpse of a locked up ghost? Wow, this is stupid. I'm going back to the party. She began to make her way back to the fence. Junior didn't want to miss his chance to look brave and cool in front of a pretty girl. Even though it gave him the creeps. Surely opening the door and stepping inside would be ballsy in her eyes. I'll, I'll go in, he half whispered. I mean, yeah. I don't believe in ghosts, so F it. What's the worst that can happen in there? A couple of hobos and some rats? He pulled himself up with every moment that passed, until he was determined to step foot inside. Junior, it could actually be dangerous in there. It was working. She was truly worried for him. These guys are being dumb A's. (laughs) You don't have to do it. She bit her lower lip and wandered slowly back to the group. No way. He's got the right idea, Len smiled, if it'd been uneasy. I'll even go at after ya. Oh, real brave of you, Allison quipped. Then she turned to Junior, matted dark hair and the face of a stoic hero, as he steeled himself in front of the mysterious building. Matted dark hair? Gross. I know, right? Like, what an ugly descriptor. Like, that's not making me, like, be, like, excited about this kid. I also think it's hilarious that they felt like mentioning earlier that she bit her bottom lip. I know, or it's like, mm, ew, like, that's <laughs> such, like, a Twilight thing, like a Bella thing. Yeah. Yeah, I hate it. Gross. Okay. Just be careful, dude. 
use the light of your phone. It's effing dark out there. She even put her hand on his arm and feeling and a feeling of warmth spread through him. Take pictures, Mikey chimed in. If this is for real, it's stuff I want to be able to prove. This is Grave Encounters. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> As if driven to do so, too, clapped Junior on the shoulder with an attaboy sort of look. If only to save him from being the one to go in alone. Junior stepped to the now just visible door, and suddenly his stomach dropped out of so forcefully. Wait, what? Suddenly, his stomach dropped out so forcefully he felt sick, and not just from the booze. Something emanated from this place, and it felt like another world he was edging towards, though he wasn't sure it was evil. A crazy plague man, out of time, alone in his shack. The hairs on the back of his neck stood on end like the air was pure electricity, but all the same, he wasn't one to go back on his word, and he was more than ready to find out. It took some prying, and he had to remove his gloves just to get his nails in beneath the coat of paint and bit of lacquer haphazardly dashed across the door, but finally he had it open. With his flashlight app on, and a final glance back at his friends, he slowly entered the dingy one-room shack, and suddenly a chill ran through him as his sneakers trudged unsurely across the the threshold. Dang it, I made that whole paragraph almost until the end when I messed up. (laughs) At first, Junior was fairly overwhelmed by what he saw inside. It was dirty, sparsely furnished den of sorts, and seemed long abandoned from what he saw by the light of his phone. Based on the leftmost wall, he saw where it might have been once attached to the rest of the hospital, and as he went over to investigate, he discovered loose boards under his feet. Looking around unsurely, he knelt down to knock at the hollow space, and then pried a plank up. Junior didn't know why, but it seemed cozy. There was like an actual home down there, a place where you might lay your head. It was a little cubby, sort of a hidey hole, just big enough for someone to huddle inside. Plus, it seemed that no one had ever found it before. But a the homey wood, hidey hole? Yeah, a homey hidey hole. A cozy <laughs> hidey hole. <laughs> Don't you just love being in a closed space? Right? Like, like, yeah, I totally feel comforted by this, like, dirty, dank area I just found. <laughs> Anyways. Plus, it seemed that no one else had found it before. But the wood held a lot stronger than he anticipated, and with a great snap, a chunk suddenly broke off into his hands and sent him backwards. Tripping over the boards with the sound of a crunch from his phone echoed off the walls before he landed on his back. Nurse Log December the 21st. Patient name, Mr. Miles Sullivan. Notes Mr. Sullivan's health has declined sharply, given his repeated refusal of medications, and as of today, he has entered a semi-catatonic state. Dr. Hill suggests a form of psychiatric examination, and has consulted with doctors Waring and Ebb in an attempt to further study this curious traits. The rash, seemingly bilious in nature, continues to spread. It is feared the poor man may not live to see the new year considering his rather deplorable circumstances and feared even more so that he has the cause of an unusual number of off deaths in the same quarantine hall he has been placed in. Indeed, the patient, when on occasion, has speaks, 
he speaks, when on occasion he speaks, excuse me, seems to wish himself dead and expresses the complete lack of understanding in regards of the deaths of his fellow patients. He had hoped that despite no one coming forward as of yet, as it's nearing Christmas time, some family might come to inquire about Mr. Sullivan before he stopped communicating completely. However, amidst his rantings, he insists that his companions were in fact the ones who constrained him to the institution in the first place. End notes. His friends committed him. Doing I'm him sure then. his family probably committed him because they were just like, I'm not trying to get this rash this boy has. Mm. All right. Junior pulled himself into a semi-consciousness and found himself in a strange new environment. Wait, so he like knocked himself out by prying loose that. I mean, it did say he fell back, so he probably like knocked his head or something. Mm. Okay. New environment. Sharp and bright as he allowed his eyes to adjust. He hit the back of his head and and upon the pillow what felt like a matted blood clot in his hair. They must have taken him to the urgent care or something. It was like a dream, and the room he was in swam before his vision in a haze of white and gray. Did they give him medicine? He itched like hell. He tried getting up only to find himself, to his horror, in rubber brown restraints, strapped to a gurney. Frantically, he looked around him. Rows of beds cleanly dressed with white linen and empty. Nothing. No one. He cried out in frustration. Hello? Hello? Please, can someone tell me where I am? His pleas were met only with silence. He saw that he was in a strange dressing gown, also white, and wondered what they had done with his clothes, his friends, with anything as far as he was concerned. Did he time travel? I think that maybe he's having, like, a vision as to, like, what this Mr. Sullivan went to, went through, mm. is my assuming. He had nearly resigned himself to just laying there and going back to sleep when footsteps approached. Lifting his head, Junior could see two doctors in suits and bow ties. One of them was wearing gloves, and a nurse in a large, heavy apron and good distance away from him seemingly watched him and remarked to one another. They stayed quiet, away from him, and kept glancing over nervously before continuing to talk in hushed tones. Please, Junior demanded, please just tell me what's happening. The nurse gave him a stance look of of concern. They continued conferring with their colleagues, who seemed to ignore him entirely. They began walking away. No, no, don't. You have to help me. His heart thumped wildly in his chest as he lay back, staring at the cold white ceiling as he struggled to hang into consciousness. Allison was the first in the group to stand up for what from their seated half circle and look at her phone. He's been in there a while, guys. Somebody needs to go check that he's okay. I thought I heard a noise. Are you kidding? He's just trying to spook us, Lan said, his voice filled with fit, with false bravado. I bet any second. Mikey jumped to his feet. Wait, look, I see something. He craned his long neck for a better view before the wooden giraffe. <laughs> I know, right? It's long neck. Mr. Fantastic. I know, right? He's just like stretching his neck real fast. (laughs) Junior, Allison ventured. I think it's him. Thank God. Junior was sedated. The nurse had injected him behind a veil of plastic sheeting, and by now he had utterly no idea where where he was at. The two doctors, both now heavily weighed down by the gown like garments and surgical gloves, said through heavy rubber masks. This is the second time, and I haven't the slightest inclination as to how. How he got out. Clearly the man's a plague-bringer. His mind is 
adult, warring. That's what you know we must do. What steps must be taking? taken? This had gone on long enough. The young man tried to, in vain to protest, slurring and mumbling as they dragged him down a narrow hall, sparsely lit and onto a decrepit cot in a dark room. Sleep took hold of him and somewhere in the darkness a door slammed shut and sounds of rivets, boards, and whispers drifted quietly away amidst his foggy slumber. Holy F! Lance practically screamed as the door slammed shut on his own accord. He leaped up and raced towards the old gray shack and the occasional movement that could be seen just between those gaps in the window boards. Mikey shrugged off his sense of foreboding and ran to the door. It won't budge. It's like it was sealed back over again. I can't get it. His friend joined him and tried to pry it open, desperately searching for tools or objects they might free him. While Allison went to the window in a panic. Junior, can you hear me? Junior, uh, Sully. Inside, he gave a grogged half-smile at the sound of his name. It was kind of nice, he thought. No one had ever called him that. Allison whipped her head around and frantically gestured to Mikey. Sully, Mike, he's just laying there. The window's too high for me to reach. Come on, please. The two convened at the window, struggling to catch any glimpse of their trapped companion. Inside, the beleaguered young man, trembling, stirred to his feet and was immediately floored by the horror of his realization. He was back in the old boarded-up room again, except it was far from the place he remembered. The paint newer, the furniture cleaner, the windows, they had bars on them. As he approached, he was only barely tall enough to see through them. He thought to find something on them, anything, but he had patted down his body. He had only discovered that he was in another place hospital smock wait so sorry discovered that he was in another plain hospital smock one that constricted him and kept him from moving his arms oh he's in a straight jacket yeah absolutely but allison he could hear her voice echoed through the chamber she was on the other side of the window she must be that's weird junior's mind reeled and yet he clung to the only thing he could grasp the bars in the window and the notions of his friends outside ready to save him from this monstrous hell, a hell that seemed so familiar and yet so wrong. He was wrong. This was all wrong. Were they his friends? Were they even there at all? Okay, so maybe he's just having a psychotic break this time. It could be that he was, like, actually psycho this whole time, and then, like, he's, like, imagining this happening. Because that would make a lot more sense to the way the story is being told, to be honest. Yeah. Because like, I don't understand, like, why does it keep going back and forth if this is, like, a, you know... A true story. Right. But maybe if he's having a psychotic break, then I guess that would make more sense. It could definitely be that he was actually a patient this entire time, and he's just, like, imagining this happening. Mm, Okay. Okay. He fought hard against a growing delirium. The faint sound of fireworks going off in the distance hardly served to deter Allison, who was hoisted up, wobbling, by Mikey and Lance as as she took care not to cut herself reaching through the long, ruined windows in one of the few holes big enough for her to get her arm through. She called to him desperately. Sully! Sully, come on! We're getting you out of here! Not she, not Mikey, nor even Lance had the heart to tell them that what they were seeing from the outside utterly horrified them in the same primal, confused way his own surroundings did. They could see him older, with mottled and burnt-like skin, 
a tattered gown draped loosely over his skeletal frame. He reached for the window as best he could, but he felt so terribly exhausted. Sully looked back at the floor behind them. There was a pattern of uneven boards, and he remembered his special spot between them, a place where he didn't have to face any of this, where he could be comfortable and just sit and think for a while. It was like going home, waking up from a nightmare that couldn't have happened. He half shuffled and half crawled down into the hard panel flooring as the voices he seemed to dream called his name began to fade. What is he doing? He... I can't see him anymore. Lance and Mikey lowered the girl back down as they shared disturbing glances and the feeling of utter hopelessness came over them. As if on cue, the grand finale of the city fireworks went off with a... Oh gosh. Cacophony? Yes. What does that mean? So... Like a whole bunch of different sounds. Okay. With a cacophony of pops and shrieks... All three of them ran to the door in a frenzy, smashing and kicking it wildly until all at once it creaked open, to their surprise. Trembling with uncertainty, Lance put forth his phone, bathing the dusty room with the light. Holding hands, the three went in together. Sully? There was no reply. Junior, dude, where are you? Mikey offered, and his clammy hand gripped Allison's once more before letting go. After a few tentative steps, alleviated their paranoia, they separated to search every possible nook and cranny, where ended in a subtle wait, sorry, which ended in a stumble followed by a loud scream. Nurse's log. January the first, patient name, Mr. Miles Sullivan. Notes. It is my sad duty to conclude the patient file on Mr. Sullivan, as after much deliberation, the chief medical staff and attending physicians all agree that he must, himself, be quarantined from the rest of the world. Most alarmingly, Mr. Sullivan shows no observable signs of direct harm from whatever contagion he harbors, and yet it managed to infect and kill not only every soul in the quarantine ward, but a dozen others outside of it, including two nurses and a small child. If this is indeed a variation of the Asiatic flu disaster, then in Inhumane as it may seem, it appears that there is no other option for this unfortunate man than to seal him away in a storage outbuilding for fear of greater epidemic. In accordance with virulent disease protocol, this institution and its staff will do their best to accommodate food and drinking water for this man until such time as he cannot or will not cooperate. His remaining personal effects incinerated to destroy contagion were as follows. One pair Levi Strauss denim trousers, one oddly colorful linen shirt, one pair laced shoes, one woolen button jacket, one pair socks, and one glass device, possibly a type of mirror or photographic cartridge. Thoroughly dashed to pieces when Mr. Sullivan was admitted. This is the final status report on patient Miles Sullivan, one year of our Lord, 1892. End notes. Allison 1892? 1892. Hmm. So. Did he time travel? I don't know. I mean, I'm reading this with you. I haven't read this prior. Okay. Okay. Allison recoiled in horror as she found herself half fallen into a small cubby hole of sorts, seated snugly beneath the floorboards, containing a single human skeleton in a tattered old gown curled awkwardly in the fetal position and resting just against her leg. 
That's literally the end of the story. Well, I'm going to say that it's fake. It is. <laughs> I mean, very obviously it's fake. Right. But, I mean, it's confusing, to say the least. I think that the, they're trying to get you to believe that he time-traveled accidentally. Do you think that he time-traveled, or do you think that he was a figment of their imagination the whole time? Because his they called him Sully, and the patient's name was Miles Sullivan. Well, yeah, so there's that connection, but then, like, he, he they read off, like, his effects uh-huh. that he was admitted with. Right. And with, like, the glass, you know... Oh, it could be a phone? Photographic, yeah. Oh. So, and the oddly colorful shirt and, you know, Denim Levi Strauss jeans and whatever oh. and, like, lace shoes. Like, that sounds yeah. like he time-traveled. You're right, accident. yeah. He definitely could have accidentally time-traveled and, like, ultimately... Like, maybe, like, the reason they thought he was crazy is because he was like, where am I? I don't belong here. This is this. Right. And, like, the epidemic he could have been giving people were just, like, normal, like, cold virus germs that he had from, like, the future. Exactly. Interesting. I mean, I don't know anything about a rash, but, right. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's fake, but it is interesting when you think about it in that light that, like, he just brought future stuff to the ba- to the past. Yeah. Interesting. Well, that's our story, and I'll tell you the <laughs> title of it. Um, I did just kind of, it is on Creepypasta, again, for lack of um, more research I should have done next week. I'll do a little bit more. I just did a random story, and this one is called The Displaced Man. So, yeah, that goes to your point. You're right. Yeah, he's definitely time-traveling on his Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, so that is... <laughs> it's a pretty simple podcast this week. It was just, like, sharing this story. Do you right. have any last comments, Alex? Well, that was definitely a wild ride that I had to concentrate during the story to, like, grasp the whole thing. But yeah, I had I mean, to concentrate, it too. It was hard to read. There was weird sentences. Yeah. I mean, it was very clearly... Fake. Yeah, definitely, definitely clearly fake. I think next week I'm going to conjure up a, a real story, for, or not next week, but next time we do this, I'm going to conjure up yeah. a real story for you, um, just because we've had a few fake ones thus far. All right, that's fine. All right. Close us out, Alex. Well, thank you for listening in. This is the last one we'll be in the same outfit in. Yeah, We'll actually have some new updates, like life updates the next time we speak to you, so, you know... See you next time, I guess. See you guys. Bye.